Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sins are reproached to any people. Hello and welcome to Of God and Man, the show whose host's mother tells him he does the best job of imitating himself out of anybody she knows. <laughs> this is your host, Ron French. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029, or you can email me at bf at bromfrench.com, and it really is fantastic to get to be with you. And those of you that have listened to the show, you know how cruddy it is and how small our listenership is. There's only about three or four of us, and uh, I think that might include myself. So, And we do not include, because some of y'all are wondering, well, what about the NSA? Well, we do not count or include our non-transvestite NSA operative. Our non-transvestite NSA operative is still out there, and uh, they still listen. He, uh, he's got a regular post that uh, the government pays for him to tune into this podcast every day, Monday through Friday. So uh, anyway, let's move on. Excluding the non-transvestite NSA operative that's basically listening through the wall, uh, maybe kind of like a fly on the wall, let's, uh, let's talk just the rest of us. There's only three or four of us. And so if you will, just imagine that you know, it's coming fall, and right now I'm a little further north, and it's kind of cold. So we're sitting by the fireplace. There's a fireplace in the in the living room, and I'm sitting on the couch, and you're sitting over on the love seat. And uh, so I'm just going to open up. I'm going to share some things with you that I don't share with everybody. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time except my wife or the last person besides my wife that I've shared this with. My own personal story. One of the reasons I believe that Jesus can deliver from anything and everything. My personal experience. And so, several years ago, and I'm talking probably 12, 13, pushing even maybe 15 years ago, and further back than that, I had a serious problem. I was, um, I was a gossip, if you will. And I, I don't know as if, well, yeah, th that's what I was. I was a gossip. If somebody said something that I didn't like, you know, I will bless my friends and curse my enemies. And if there was somebody that I was not happy with, I would tear them down. And I would go through to great lengths to try to ruin them. Very true. There are some individuals I owe a huge apology to. And thank heavens... Thank God that my tongue did not destroy some of their ministries, though it could have. It absolutely could have. I tore somebody down. Let's say he was in ministry, but I knew that he had slept with somebody. He wasn't married, but I knew he had slept with somebody. And then he did something to get me upset. So what would I do? I would be sure to tell key people that he was sleeping around. And uh, all this, unfortunately, I wish I could tell you it was not true, but it was. 
And later on, that was when I was pastoring in Uvalde. That was, oh, I don't know, about uh, greater than 14 years ago. So we're talking, you know, 17 to 15 years ago, something like that, 16 years ago. So this is my makeup. This is what I did. This is who I was. And later on, after tearing down people, and not just anybody and everybody, but if you crossed me, I was going to do my best to make sure that I got you back and that I would tear you down. That was honestly just the culture that I grew up in. That is was my experience. I thought that's what you did. That seemed to be the custom in the organization that I was in. And please don't misunderstand me. I don't mean to trash the organization. But it seemed to be the preachers that I associated with, this was our modus, uh, our MO, modus operandi. This is what we did. This is who we were. And it's absolutely what I did. Later on, we left Uvalde about 14 years ago, thereabouts, and went back to the church that we were based out of and got out of the organization that I was a minister in. Got out of the organization and then spent five years sitting in a church, sitting under another pastor. Got involved in different aspects, got involved in jail ministry, got involved in uh, just all kinds of different ministries that I previously had not really been involved in. And then started pastoring again. But I was pastoring again and still had some of those inclinations. I hated it. By this point now, I knew it. I'd seen it. I'd seen it in myself. And I hated to see it in me. And I especially hated to see it in others. And so when I saw that it was in me, I started doing, trying to do things to change it. I had a gentleman show up to the church, and a gentleman would tell me he was out of the blue, never seen him before, never knew him. I was pastoring in Seguin, Texas, and he was from, at least he put on the visitor card, that he was from Austin. Didn't even give his last name. Kip was his name. But Kip showed up and asked if he could talk to me after service. So we went to a side room and had a conversation. And Kip told me that God was wanting to change some things in me that God was wanting to make me a better minister. He went through and shared all kinds of different things that he would have no idea what he was talking about. I knew exactly. And today I can tell you that every single thing he's talk, he had talked to me about, those now nine, ten years ago, something like that, every single one of those things have come to pass. They have happened. Every one of them except one. But that one has already been confirmed by three or four others. So I know that God's going to do it. But one of the things he had said was God's got, God wants to change your ministry. God wants to change some things about you. I didn't realize what that all entailed. But today I believe I do. No, I, I, I can't verbalize all of it, but I can verbalize a good portion of it, at least part of it. Because I still had that tendency, I would want to spend time tearing down others. Uh, that, that was just, 
I was different. I was better than when I was more of a novice where I was tearing people down, but there was still that part of me. I didn't realize that at this point that the Lord would spend about eight years, eight years of my life, God would radically change me. Five years in the church in San Antonio that we were going to, and it was just after three years where the Lord started really, where I really started to come out of the mindset. And so what that means for me, you see that I, I know some other people that enjoy tearing down others. For me, what it means is I have no room to tear them down. I've got no place to talk about how they are just the armpit of the world <laughs> or the worst person on earth. Because I've been there. I've done it. Thank God I've been delivered. And if Jesus can deliver me, Jesus can deliver them. And it took the Lord eight years, eight long years to deliver me. Eight long years. I've got another friend that, uh, that had enjoyed talking about people. And called me up. I was just about to go preach somewhere. And called me up and started to tear down somebody else. And I made it clear I didn't want to hear it. See, if you've got a problem with it, if you're a drug addict, you've got problem with drugs, you're not going to want uh, to, and, and you've been delivered. You don't mind reaching out for the drug addict, but you're only going to get so close. <laughs> you're not going to want to watch them do drugs in front of you. And so I got a call from somebody who at that point had not been delivered. And that individual began to tear down people. I made it abundantly clear I had no desire to hear it. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. Now, seven years later, this same person that I'm still from time to time in conversation with, I will tell you, for about the last year, maybe even a little bit longer than that. We're coming up on a year, I guess. I have not heard them talk about a single person. It's gotten back to me that, that it was overheard them talking about one person, but it was just for a brief moment, and then the subject was dropped. And that was over a year ago now, I believe. Seven years for that individual. That individual learned something. It took me eight years. <laughs> Jesus can deliver. And in my estimation, to be honest with you, I believe it's our flesh is the hardest thing for God to have to deliver us from. Our tongue is wicked and set on fire of hell. Thank God through His Spirit we can overcome it. Thank God His Word makes it very clear and if we can just learn to walk in his spirit and not after the flesh, we can be overcomers. Tell you what, uh, let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go, uh, no, I was going to say go through the Bible, a trillion years, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to go through the Quran and uh, we're going to look at uh, the doctrine of devils, if you will. Hold on just a second. <laughs> 
And there is the car crash, the uh, sound of a collision, because Christianity and Islam can never worship the same God. Chrislam does not really exist in the real world. And again, we're looking at the Quran to see and find out why not, why this is so. So we are in chapter 2, which they call in English, the cow. At least it's what it looks like to me. So we're going to pick up chapter 2, verse number 15. Chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible. The Quran says this, <laughs> Allah mocks at them and gives them increase in their wrongdoings to wander blindly. These are they who have purchased air for guidance. So their commerce was profitless and they were not guided. Their likeness is as the likeness of one who kindled a fire. Then when it lighted all around him, Allah took away their light and left them in darkness. So they could not see. They are deaf, dumb, and blind, so they return not to the right path. Or like a rainstorm from the sky, wherein is darkness, thunder, and lightning. They thrust not their or they thrust their fingers in their ears to keep out the stunning thunderclap for fear of death. But Allah ever encompasses the disbelievers. Allah will gather them all together. The lightning almost snatched away their sight, snatches away their sight whenever it flashes for them. They walk therein, and when darkness covers them, they stand still. And if Allah willed, he could have taken away their hearing and their sight. Certainly, Allah has power over all things. Verse uh, 21. O mankind, worship your Lord, Allah, who created you and those who were before you so that you may become the pious. So we're going to back up, and if you remember last time we went through the Quran, you see that they are not, uh, that basically what they're doing is they're talking about the moderate Muslim, the one who is not the extremist. And we saw in chapter 1 why or how it is they can be terrorists. Chapter 2, we are already seeing where it becomes more clear why they are terrorists. Because if you're moderate, um, you are blind, and we're gonna—we've just read some of that. But you're blind, you're misguided, and you will never be on the right path. I am so glad that Jesus is a restorer; that He will restore the years the canker worm has eaten. I'm so glad that Jesus is the one who will carry our burdens. He said, "Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I." will give you rest. And even if you have wandered away from Jesus, his arms are still there welcoming you in. This is not the case with Allah. It cannot be the same God. So let's go back and look at it. Allah mocks at them and gives them increase in their wrongdoings to wander blindly. Those are the ones who they refer to as the hypocrites because they're Muslim with one group, but they're not Muslim with another. They go on, verse 16, these are those uh, these are they who have purchased error for guidance. So their commerce was profitless. Um, their commerce was profitless. Folks, let's look at the extremists. And if it was not for oil, oil is the only commerce they have that brings them any profit. Beyond that, the common folk in the Muslim world are dirt poor. Profitless. Let's talk about profit. 
and they were not guided. It said they are profitless, their commerce was profitless, and they were not guided. Their likeness is at the likeness of one who kindled fire, and then when it was lighted all around them, Allah took away their light and left them in darkness so they could not see. If you happen to be Islamic, if you happen to be a Muslim, if you're going to see light, you're going to see that light in Jesus Christ because he is the light of the world. He goes on and says, verse 18, they are deaf, dumb, and blind, so they return not to the right path. You do not see Jesus talking about people like this. There are a couple different places where the Lord talks about the gossip, where it talks about uh, clouds without water. There are some places like that that uh, talk about uh, coming judgment, and there is coming judgment that we can all be sure of. But you won't see where the Lord will refer to people as deaf, dumb, and blind, except maybe those that worship idols, idolatry. And basically he was saying, because I can't speak to them, because the Lord himself couldn't speak to them. This is not the same God. Allah is not Jesus. Jesus is not Allah. Jehovah of the Old Testament is not Allah. Let's go on, verse 19. Or like a rainstorm from the sky, wherein is darkness, thunder, and lightning, they thrust their fingers in their ears to keep out the stunning thunderclap for fear of death. But Allah ever encompasses the disbelievers. Allah is great. will gather them all together. Gather them all together from what I can gather out of this could very easily be interpreted as he's going to gather them together in the grave. He's going to kill them. How is he going to do that? He's going to use his quote-unquote servants to gather them. Folks, this is a doctrine of devils. There's no way around it. It is a doctrine of devils. Let's go to verse 20. The lightning almost snatches away their sight. Whenever it flashes for them, they walk therein. And when darkness covers them, they stand still. And if Allah willed, he could have taken their hearing and their sight. Certainly Allah has power over all things. Allah does not exist. The God of all creation has power over all things. God was made manifest in the flesh. It is Jesus. We refer to him as in Christianity. Let's go on verse 21. O mankind, worship your Lord, Allah, who created you and those who were before you, so that you may become the pious. So that you may become pious. No, ladies and gentlemen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. God was made manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. That man, that God, is Jesus Christ. Tell you what, let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. Hold on just a second. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. America needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but she is a reproach to any people. And we are back. And we're about to go to the Bible in a trillion years. We're in Genesis, Genesis chapter 37. 
We're going to pick up at verse number 6. We're going to go from verse number 6 to verse number 11, Genesis chapter 37. The Bible says this, And he said unto them, Hear, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheave arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? They hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. So if we're going to back up, remember, Joseph is his dad's favorite. And his dad has made him the coat of many colors. Joseph has a dream, and his brothers hate him for it. And we're gonna we're now picking up why. Why is this different? There is a coat of many colors that dad has made. Joseph has a relationship with the father, and the brethren don't have that relationship with the father. But Joseph has a dream that even dad doesn't understand. And the brethren sure don't understand, nor do they like. And so he he pulls them together, the brethren together, and says, Here, I pray you this dream which I've dreamed. So he's bound and determined. He's going to tell them his dream. He's going to share <laughs> with them his dream. If you've got a sibling and your sibling tells you, Hey, uh, I'm better than you. God gave me a dream and told me so. Uh, you might have some cross words. <laughs> you might not be too happy. And so this is exactly what's transpiring in this case. He says, Behold, we're binding our sheaves in the field, and my sheaf arose. Mine was taller. It was stronger. It was better. Bigger, stronger, and better looking, as I would tell Cheney. That's my boy. He said, uh, My sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaf stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. So my work was better than your work. The sheaves is what they used in the field. It was a part of their labor. So he's saying, what I am doing is better than what you're doing. Or maybe will be doing because it was a prophetic dream. So here the Lord is giving him a dream saying, boy, I've got plans for you. But uh, Proverbs had not been written yet. And so he didn't know enough to keep his mouth shut. Actually, rather, you see where God used this to make the dream come to pass, to bring the dream into reality. And so it goes on, verse number eight, and his brethren said to him, shall thou indeed reign over us? Who are you? You're uh, second to the youngest. You are a nobody around here. Or shall thou have dominion over us? You think you're going to tell us what to do? <laughs> you think you're going to have say over us in our lives? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. They hated him yet the more. Later on, we're going to see where the Lord will give people dreams 
and uh, they're silent with the dreams. I think maybe they learned something from Joseph. <laughs> There's value in not opening up your mouth too often. However, again, this is God's will. This is exactly the way it was supposed to play out, I firmly believe. So they are hating him. Remember, they already hated him because he was loved by his father. And he had a closer relationship with his father than the rest of them. They're already mad at him because his relationship with the father is better than theirs. And if you've got a relationship with the father better than your neighbor, you don't have to brag about it. They know it. And they will hate you. They will tear you down. They'll do some of what I spoke about I did way back when, earlier in the podcast. They're going to tear you down. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to gossip about you. If you've got a relationship with the Father, though, you just keep walking with Him. And the Father will make sure everything's okay. And again, I'm not talking your earthly father. This earthly father, Joseph's earthly father, is going to fail him. He's going to believe that he's dead. But your heavenly Father is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. He will pay you back. You will get recompense. <laughs> but your recompense will not be the type of recompense that we read in the Quran. So let's continue. He says his brethren are upset with him. They say they've, they're now hating him more because of his words, because of his dreams, and because he's sharing his dreams with them. And he dreamed yet another dream and took it to his brethren and said, behold, I've dreamed a dream more. So you hated me before. Listen to this. <laughs> you ever hear somebody say something? This tastes nasty. Here, try it. <laughs> That's exactly what Joseph is doing. You hated the last dream. Tell me what you think of this dream. And what's this dream? He says, behold, I've dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. <laughs> it was bad enough with your sheaves when the work that you did had to bow before the work that I did. But now, you in all your glory, you in your prestige, you in your power, you in all your might, brethren, you in all that you have acquired and all that you have attained will one day bow to what I have acquired, what I have attained, and my majesty, if you will. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. So he is now even told his dad. And his father rebuked him. <laughs> uh, boy, shut your mouth. Uh, here's a little wisdom, son. Read Proverbs. <laughs> and he says to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? Which is exactly what eventually happens. And verse number 11 says, and his brethren envied him. That's an interesting word. Interesting word selection. His brethren envied him because they did not have a relationship, not with the natural father anymore, but they didn't have a relationship with the spiritual father that Joseph had at this point anymore. And so they've envied him. They are envious of him. But his father observed the saying. 
Understand, people will be envious of your human relationships. They're going to uh, disqualify you sometimes because of who you have relationships with. But when the rubber meets the road, the true reason they'll envy you will not be because of your human relationship. Will not be because you get along good with your biological father. But when you are envied by your brethren, it will be because your heavenly father has given you dream, has given you vision, because he has given you purpose and drive and ambition. Your brethren will envy you. They'll come against you. They'll attack you. They'll tear you down. They'll say wicked things about you. And they'll do spiritually or try to do spiritually what Joseph's brethren tried to do to him physically. And we'll get there later on. They'll sell him into slavery. They will consider even possibly killing him. They'll lie to his father about him. And they will go after him. But Joseph, if you have a dream, you hold on to the dream. If you've got vision, you hold on to the vision. If you don't, let's say maybe you're not Joseph, maybe you are instead Judah. Maybe instead you're one of the other brethren. What you should do is start praying, God, give me a dream. God, give me vision. Lord, let me be close to you. Give me a dream, God, that will drive me, push me, give me ambition in you. Yes, you'll be despised, you'll be hated. People will talk about you, people will tear you down. And they'll look for ways to get rid of you. But if you've got the dream, you hold on to the dream. God will bring it to pass. He always does. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you later.